seeking the Lord's blessing, then let us return to John chapter 3. We choose for our text there. Verse 8, John chapter 3 and verse 8 for our text. <coughs> the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And in this chapter we have really two principal lessons that are brought before us in the first part of the conversation with Nicodemus Jesus brings brings forth the doctrine of the new birth now of course that doctrine wasn't a new doctrine it was in the old testament and that's why the lord jesus christ had to speak the way he did to Nicodemus because he was a teacher in Israel, and he should have known. The Psalms will speak of it. Ezekiel speaks about the new birth, and this great religious teacher should have known about it. But here we might say that Christ brings it much clearer to us, and he's a wonderful teacher, as you know. He was able to use all kinds of natural illustrations in order to bring to our attention spiritual truths. He had a wonderful way of teaching. You could think of the parable of the sower, something that would be seen every day. And maybe even when Jesus delivered that parable, there could well have been a sower at work. And the sower goes out and he sows the seed and he's looking for a harvest. And Jesus was able to teach spiritual truths from that illustration. We could think of the wine bottles, how new wine must be put into new bottles. We could think of how he calls his people sheep and him as a shepherd. And of course, there are many, many more illustrations in the scriptures of the way that Jesus used everyday objects or things that were familiar to people in order to teach spiritual truths. Well, it's exactly the same here with the new birth. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. While seeking the Lord's blessing, we would like to meditate upon this verse in context this evening. And the title I've given to the meditation is Lessons from the Wind. Lessons from the Wind. We have here a man, and it might be profitable for us to just read Three verses from the previous chapter. Three verses at the end of the previous chapter. Because it does relate to what has happened in chapter 3. So at verse 23 of chapter 2 we read, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, 
Many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. And then the chapter we've read begins, There was a man of the Pharisees. And this man of the Pharisees was Nicodemus. He was a principal Pharisee. He was a teacher in Israel. He would be the kind of individual today who would be in our seminaries. And he would be teaching theology to our divinity students. That's how high up he was. And he would be a man of great wisdom. He would be knowledgeable in the scriptures. He would be able to quote the scriptures. He would be able to apply the scriptures. He was a notable individual. And the people of Israel would highly respect this person. And if they had some concern about maybe their spiritual life, or if they had some concern about a passage in the scripture, they would consult someone like him. And they would expect him to be able to answer their questions. But here was a man, Nicodemus, a rule of the Jews. He comes to Jesus, we're told, by night. Why did he do this? Well, we're, we're inclined to believe that he went to Jesus at night in order that no one would see him. He didn't want to be associated with Jesus. He was intrigued by him. And he wanted an audience with him. But he didn't want others to see him in any way to be associated with Jesus. And this is important because this happened really at the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And he was very popular at that time. But Nicodemus did not want to be seen associated with Christ. He went then. He went because he recognized, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And therefore he recognized there's something unique, there's something special about the Lord Jesus. And he wanted to probe him and to derive some answers for his own satisfaction from the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we're not going to criticize Nicodemus because we are delighted, actually, that, that he went and had an audience with Christ. And we are delighted that Christ spoke to him because at least two very important lessons were drawn out from the Savior following the conversation that he had with Nicodemus. The first is we've already alluded to. It's the, the doctrine of the new birth, or regeneration, as it's also called. But then there was the other doctrine, salvation by faith. And this was drawn out following the second part of the conversation. And these two doctrines, friends, are wonderfully important. We cannot know them highly enough. 
we may well be ignorant of many things that we find in the scriptures. And we will hold our hands up and say, yes, there are things that we cannot understand. We cannot comprehend in the scriptures. And that's to be expected. Why? Because the scriptures are from God. And if we were to understand everything in the scriptures, it would make us almost like God himself. And therefore, there will be things that we'll, we will be ignorant about and will never fully comprehend. But the two things that I've mentioned to you, friends, we must know. And we must not know, only know them intellectually. We must know them experimentally. We must know them in our Christian experience. Because we can go to heaven and not know everything. But we cannot go to heaven unless we know the new birth and unless we know salvation by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are absolutely foundational. And we dare not not know them, not just intellectually, but in our own experience. And therefore, we are grateful that Nicodemus went indeed and spoke to the Lord Jesus Christ and drew these, these lessons out for our edification this evening. And friends, there's another lesson here too for us. Here we have poor Nicodemus, a great leader in Israel. Yet he goes to the Lord Jesus Christ and he is extremely ignorant of spiritual matters. Yet, this could well be looked upon as the beginning of his life of faith. Very weak beginning. We might say, if we were involved in this, we might say there's no grace in that man, there's no hope for that man. But the Lord Jesus Christ treated him best treated him wisely, spoke to him, did not engage in a, a theological discussion with him, instead told him what he needed to know. And surely, friends, this was the very beginning of his spiritual life. We find him later on, do we not? We find him later on, for instance, in John chapter 8, verse 51. There he's before the Sanhedrin. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. And he stands up for the Lord Jesus Christ. When all the others are against him, he stands up and says, Doth our Lord judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? He was a lone voice in the Sanhedrin. And he was beginning to be tr truly fully, finally, to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe this was the very beginning. And then we go to the crucifixion. We go to the crucifixion. And what happened there? Well, the disciples of the Lord Jesus abandoned him. But Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus they took the body of the Lord Jesus down from the cross. And that would not be a pleasant experience. 
Here they were. They were siding with the dead Christ. When everyone else was saying, crucify him, crucify him, and treat him like a criminal. Nicodemus was there. And he gave the Savior a burial. He was really siding with Christ. And it may be all stemmed from this beginning. And this is to encourage us. We may be speaking to someone. We may say something, a word in season. Something may well happen. It might be the very beginning of spiritual life. You don't know. And friends, when someone takes their first steps in the spirit, in spiritual life and spiritual things, be careful. Encourage them. Help them. You don't know where it's going. We don't know how the Spirit works. We know He does work. But we don't know all things. We are largely ignorant. Well, what can we learn then about the new birth? Well, surely the first thing we're meant to learn is, friends, that Christ is here speaking about a mighty, mighty change. This is no mere reformation. This is not simply someone getting up in the morning and saying to themselves, well, my life is in a mess. I'm going to turn over a new leaf or I'm going to pull up my socks or whatever or I'm going to suddenly become religious. It's much, much more than that, friends. He talks about a new birth. Now, we all know something about birth. We know, for instance, when a new child comes into our homes, the whole home is transformed. New life comes in. And that new life, small as it is, and dependent as it is, it transforms the life of the family and the wider family. And so it is with the Christian, that one who is born again by the Spirit of God. It's a wonderful, mighty, glorious, spiritual resurrection. It's a wonderful change. It's a, a mighty change. It's been taken out. It, it is like a spiritual resurrection. This is what Jesus Christ is talking about here. What does he say in verse 3? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, except a man be born of water under the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Now, if we put ourselves in the footsteps of Nicodemus, if we try to be where he was, he was a Jew. The Jews, in some sense, thought that the kingdom of God was for them and only for them. And if you were born into a Jewish family, all that Judaism could give to you was yours by right, simply because you had been born in a Jewish family. And now Nicodemus has been taught by the Savior that he cannot see the kingdom of God, 
and he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, he will have no part in the kingdom of God unless he knows this change that Jesus Christ is talking about. Can we, can we adopt his mindset? Can you see how startled he was? Why? He thought the kingdom of God was for him. He thought he was in the kingdom of God. But Jesus says, no, you're not in it. You cannot see it. You'll, you'll not have any part in it unless you know a new birth experience. That's why we say, friends, this is a mighty change. This is not simply a turning over of a new leaf. This is not simply expressing one or two New Year's resolutions. No, this is life-changing. Jesus was teaching him, unless the inward man was thoroughly renewed and washed by the Spirit as a man would use water to wash his body. That's what he talks about here. Except a man be born of water. That's not talking about baptism, as some would have us believe. That's talking about the inward washing of the Holy Spirit upon the soul of the individual. As water washes our bodies and cleanses our bodies, so the Holy Spirit is there to cleanse our souls. That's what he's talking about. And he marvels the experience, or he illustrates the experience using the wind. What about the wind then? Well, we're told here in our text, the wind bloweth. He's likening the operation of the Holy Spirit to the wind. There are times when the wind doesn't blow. All weekend that I've been up here, the wind has been blowing. But there are times when it doesn't blow. And therefore, we are to learn from this text and from this illustration that there are times when the Spirit of God does not move. This is mysterious. We cannot account for it. We can give no explanation. But the wind bloweth where it listeth. And therefore, this would imply that there are times when the Spirit of God does not move. The word of God can be preached. It can be preached faithfully. It can be preached according to the, the Bible. It can be applied to the hearts and, and the lives of individuals. But nothing seems to happen. And maybe this is a day and generation that we're living in at the moment. Because, friends, we know that our faithful men, men who preach the gospel up and down the country, yet very little seems to be happening. People are still comfortable in their sins, yet the gospel has been proclaimed and the claims of Christ have been pressed upon individuals. Yet we live in a time when we see very, very little conversions. Maybe that's where we are at the moment. We don't know. We cannot tell these things. We have to bow down and acknowledge the sovereignty of God in all matters. But there are times when the wind does not blow. But the other side of the coin, friends, there are times when the Spirit does blow, when the wind does come, when you can feel its power, when you can feel its influence. 
these days happen. And we long for these days and we pray for these days. That when we come to the house of God and when the word of God is proclaimed and when it's applied to the hearts of the individuals by the preacher, they hear something else. Something else happens. What happens? The Holy Spirit makes the word effectual. The wind blows. That's what we long for. And that's what happens. This is what Jesus is saying. The wind bloweth where it listeth. We cannot control it. Cannot control the wind. You cannot put it in your hand. You cannot tell it to start or stop. You don't know when it starts, what point it starts, and where it stops. You don't know these things. You cannot control it. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely sovereign on this matter. Now, we might not like that. But that is the truth. The, the preacher can't make anyone to be born again. Parents can't make their children to be born again. Individuals can't make themselves to be born again. Much to the disappointment of many. Again, it's like a birth, is it not? Someone who's born into this world... What part did they play in their birth? Nothing. They played no part in the conception. They play no part when they come out of the womb. So it is with everyone who is born again by the Spirit of God. Spirit alone is sovereign. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. Very often you can hear the sound of the wind, the trees, the leaves, other things making a noise because the wind is blowing them. So it is with those who are born again by the Spirit of God. Friends, there's always an effect. When someone is brought into faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they know this glorious, wonderful, divine experience of being born again, it will have an effect. It will have an influence. This is what Jesus is teaching Nicodemus there. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The wind is absolutely sovereign. God controls it. And it's the same with the new birth. You cannot hear the new birth. But you can feel its consequences. You cannot tell when it starts or when it stops. These things... We cannot control. It is an absolute, sovereign, inscrutable, essential work of the third person of the Trinity. Why is this so necessary, you must ask? 
And Jesus said on a number of occasions, verily, verily, before he said what he wanted to say, he prefaced it by verily, verily. That's telling us to pay attention. That's just like saying, Amen, Amen. Listen to this. This is vitally important. So why is the new birth so important? Well, surely this should not surprise us. By nature, we are dead in trespasses and sins, the Bible says. By nature, we don't have a, a proper relationship with our Creator. If we go back to the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, they were created perfect. Adam from the dust. Eve from Adam. And before they sinned, they had a, a wonderful relationship with one another and with their Creator God. But you know what happened. Sin came into the world. And that relationship was immediately terminated. The promise was that if they did not obey the commandment, they would die. Well, they didn't obey the commandment, and they did die, but they didn't die physically, they died spiritually. And the moment that they, that they, that they took the fruit, they died spiritually. That relationship, that glorious, wonderful relationship and fellowship they had with Almighty God was terminated. They died spiritually the moment they sinned. And because we've all come from Adam and Eve, we have inherited their sinful nature. And therefore, when we come into this world, we may have all our faculties with us. We may be normal, healthy, but we lack the spiritual life. We don't have the love of God that we should in our, have in our hearts towards him. It's even worse than that. We're God-haters. By nature, we are at enmity with God. The carnal mind cannot please God. There's nothing that we can do in of ourselves to please God. All our righteousness, all our good works are but filthy rags in the sight of God. That's our position by nature. That's why this religious individual here who knew the scriptures and who was looked up to needed to be taught this lesson that all his religiosity and all his knowledge of the scriptures and all his religion counted for nothing until he would know this new birth, until the Spirit of God came into him and transformed him. This is what Paul says to the Ephesians after they had been converted and after they had embraced Christianity and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins that was your position Christian before the new birth and tonight if you're an unbeliever here that is your position with all your good works with all your church attendance with everything that you're doing to try to please God 
You are still dead in trespasses and sins. And you need a mighty working of God himself on your heart and life. You need to know this, this new life from above. You need to be born again. That's what Jesus is telling here Nicodemus, who was an old man. An old man. He had to be born again. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Paul tells them in the Romans. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot. It is impossible. Therefore, friends, we've got to ask ourselves. Do we know this? new birth do we know this experience we cannot gloss over this we can go to heaven and we might not know about election we can go to heaven and we might not be able to explain about adoption or sanctification or glorification we can be ignorant of many things, but this we cannot. We'll certainly not be able to articulate it in words. As I labor to bring to your attention, this is an inscrutable work of God. But the effects are not inscrutable. The effects of the new birth will be seen. And if we go back to the illustration of a, a new child coming into a home, that child is totally dependent upon mom and dad and others. That child can do nothing for him or herself. But the, the fact that there's new life in that home is evident and will become more and more evident as the child grows. And so it is with those who have been truly born again by the Spirit of God, it will become clear and evident that there's been a change in that life because it is a spiritual resurrection. It is being translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So what are the evidence then? And what are the effects if we cannot describe, and we cannot describe how it happens, God doesn't tell us these things. It's not revealed to us in the Bible. We don't know how it comes about. We know it's by the Spirit, but the effects can be seen, and we can articulate them. What are the effects, then, of someone who's truly born again? Well, that person will love God. That person will love God. What a transformation. Why are there multitudes in this world, in Inverness and anywhere else, why are there multitudes not in the house of God tonight? They're not in the house of God because they want to run away from God. They're not in the house of God because they don't love God. That's why. 
Are you here tonight because you love God? Maybe some of you have been are here by habit. It's a good habit. Keep it up. Maybe some of you are constrained to be here tonight. It's good to be under the means of grace. But can you say you're here because you love God? You love the Lord your God. Oh, you don't love him like you should. We're not saying that. But can you honestly say, can you hold your hand up and say, I have love towards my God. I, I delight in what he's done for me in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I come to the house of God because I want to worship him and because I love him. That's the action of someone who's born again. Because otherwise you'd be in the world. You'd be digging your garden or you'd be doing some DIY or you'll be engaged in some keep fit or whatever. Or you'll be watching the, the television. Another, another effect of someone who's truly born again is they believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The two main doctrines that are taught here is the new birth and salvation by faith. Or to believe upon the Lord Jesus. You cannot truly believe upon the Lord Jesus until you know the new birth. You know, people try to tell us, you believe upon the Lord Jesus and then you're born again. No. You are born again by the Spirit of God and then you believe upon the Lord Jesus. And you believe upon him in a saving manner. Why? Because you see that he is the saviour. You see yourself as a sinner. And you see him as a saviour. And he has saved you. No one can believe the gospel. No one can repent. No one can believe in the Lord Jesus. Until they know this glorious wonderful change. Oh yes we know you are to believe. And you're commanded to believe. But you cannot do it until you're born again. Then you'll believe on Jesus. Then you'll believe on him. If you're born again, you'll love the brethren. You'll love your fellow Christians. Again, we lament that we don't love each other as we should. But you will have a love for the brethren. You will want to spend time with the brethren. You'll have a love for the people of the world to a certain extent. You'll be wanting to share the gospel with them. But your primary interest will be your fellow believers, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Is that not what Jesus taught? When the people came to him and said, your brethren and your mother are without. Here are my brethren. Here is my mother and my father and my family before them. So it is with a Christian. You will love the fellow Christians. You will have a love for the word of God. The word of God, friends, it doesn't flatter us. It doesn't pat us on the back on many occasions. 
It will rebuke us. It will point out our sins. It will show us our errors. But we will love it because we know it comes from our Heavenly Father and it is for our own good. You'll have a love for it and you'll show that love for the Word of God by being obedient unto it. And there's no use we say that if we say that we love the Word of God and we're not obedient to it. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what he says. And his commandments are found in the Word of God. Another indication is that you will love his day. You will love the Lord's day. This is our Christian Sabbath. This day reminds us that Jesus came out of the grave. This day reminds us that our Savior is alive forevermore. Yes, our faith and our hope is not upon a dead Savior. There might, there might be much in professing Christianity that's dead. We acknowledge it. But our Savior's not dead. And this day reminds us that he broke the bands of death and he lives forevermore. And one day, friends, we'll live with him forevermore. We'll know that resurrection experience when our bodies shall be raised and glorified. And this day reminds us of it. And we love the Lord's day because it's a day that God has given to his people. He knows our frame. He knows we are but dust. And we need this day. These are just some of the indicators that will testify that we know this new experience. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, long gentleness, Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. If you're born again, you will know some of these things. Not in perfection, of course, but you'll know them. We can learn a lesson from the wind then, friends. It has a power. It has an effect. So it is with all those who are born again by the Spirit of God. Amen. And may God bless his word to us. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank thee indeed for the new birth. And oh Lord, we pray that all of us would know this. And we think of our family, of our friends of those still dead in trespasses and sins, Lord, that they might know this experience also. Bless thy word to us, therefore. Be with us now as we conclude in praise and hear us only for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. We shall conclude by singing from Psalm 130. Psalm 130. Lord, from the depths to thee I cried, my voice, Lord, do thou hear. And to my supplication voice, give an attentive ear. 
Lord, who shall stand if thou, O Lord, shouldst mark iniquity? But yet with thee forgiveness is that fear thou mayest be. We'll sing the whole of this psalm, Psalm 130. Lord, from the depths to thee I cried. Lord, from the depths to and as follows. The prayer meeting on Thursday will be taken by Mr. Derek McLean. Service is next Lord's Day at the usual times of 11am and 6.30pm and will be taken by the Reverend Andrew Sutton. Mrs. Mary Kelly's funeral will take place on Tuesday at William Fraser's funeral home, Caldaffel Road at 12 noon. Mr. Clark will conduct the service. Interment will be at Tomnahurik Cemetery, Glenacourt Road. Please remember her son Ewan and the wider family in prayer. If you wish to contribute to Foundations Matter, 
the Christian Adoption Agency, whose founder spoke to us on Thursday. Please put your donation in an envelope marked Foundations Matter and place it in the plate and Mr. Ian Martin will forward these to them. These are all the intimations, God willing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all.